You ain't never gonna forget this man. As long as you live, you're never gonna see a freak like this. Hey everyone, welcome to the I Like It Spooky podcast. Doing things a little bit different today, our partners Lewis and Jocelyn are getting ready for a big move, so they're going to take a little time off to get ready for that. Don't worry though, we'll all be back together as soon as possible. But until then, Brian and I will be here to fill your uh, need in life for your favorite spooky podcast. On this episode, we'll be welcoming our first guest to the pod as we discuss The Burning, the 1981 Camp Killer classic. Let's do it. Come on, man. Take a look. Today we have Clint from Ink Mares. Also has a YouTube channel, you might have seen him. Cletus, Santa Cletus, our favorite cannibal hillbilly. Are you a cannibal? Kinda. Yeah, and that's why I shake so much when I don't get it. (laughs) Don't get that flesh. Uh, also has a YouTube channel, Corpse Barn, where you can check out all the funny Cletus videos. Yeah, how you doing, Clint? Hey, I like it spooky. Yeah. How the hell are you guys? How's the yeah. weather up oh, there in no, Michigan? Well. Freezing cold? Cold as hell, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, really? well, I mean, we've been having sub-temperatures and all kinds of snow, and I'm ready for it to be over with, for sure. I know mm-hmm. we've had it, like, around here, we had some 40, 50-degree weather, and then I woke up today, and there's snow on the ground again. And then tomorrow, I think fifties again. It's but we're getting closer to summer, closer to convention season. I'm definitely excited about that. There's a list of them that that we're all going to be at. So hell yeah! What's your first one you got coming up? First one is Motor City Legacy, and that is March 18th through the 20th, kind of by the uh, Metro Detroit Airport. So, and this is actually their first convention ever. So. Yeah, I would love to get up there and check out conventions elsewhere. You know, we just kind of stick to Midwest a couple hours from us either direction. I think the farthest we've gone is Chicago, middle of Iowa. Tumwa was kind of far, but yeah, I haven't branched out. But this is the year we we got plans. We're talking about going. We were just talking about Living Dead Weekend. That would be quite a little trek. That would be fun. Yeah, at the Monroeville Mall. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. We've talked about getting up to Michigan for some of those. I can't wait. I'm ready for it to start. You know, we don't have the nice weather here in the Midwest, so we don't have conventions all the time. So you guys seem to have more things though. Ever since I met you guys at Midwest monster fest, mm-hmm. and then I pay attention to things that you post or like Jeff um, posts, you know, mm-hmm. and um, there's always like horror movies at a drive in or pop-up events. Like you guys in that area, the quad city area seem to have way more going on than I do here. Yeah. In yeah. Area. So. And it's pretty nice. We're not like a huge area. I mean, it, it's kind of big, but you know, when you compare it to like Detroit area, Chicago area, this, this is tiny, but yeah, we yeah. do have, and you notice we have like a little group of people. We, we, we're all friends with the same people. 
Yeah, we're really gifted in this area. To, even though it's not a big area, I have a local theater, the Orpheum, that every year around Halloween shows um, movies. And then we have a buddy, Jason Whitmarsh, that puts on movies in the Quad Cities um, at a local coffee shop, bar place. Um, and then Justin Beam did a drive-in last year. And uh, our buddy Tad Good's always showing stuff at the Capitol. You know, like we're just overly gifted that the horror community in this area is amazing well in the horror community in general it's it's that six degrees of separation of kevin bacon or whatever you know what i mean i mean i drove took a chance and drove like six hours to midwest monster fest there at the quad city which was crazy for me being a new vendor driving that far but i was i was free and a spot opened up i thought why the hell not and then you know, mm-hmm. go there and bump into people that, you know, I met you guys and we're funding like the, the same film projects. And, you know, Linnea Quigley was there and, and through 10 different people, her and I sort of know each other. So it's just, it's neat how it's all interconnected. Yeah. So fun. We're glad we met you there. <laughs> well, if it's fun or if, if you're glad you met us there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, and, and Jason, like you just said, you're thinking about venturing out and going farther. I mean, that's what I did by coming that far. And then hell I'm here on this podcast now, you know what I mean? So I know. And you're coming back this year twice. Yeah. I'll be there in May for the halfway to Halloween and then in September for the main show. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Clint has a company called ink mirrors. He makes uh, screen printed shirts, very cool designs. You should check them out. Inkmirrors.com. Yes, sir. I N K M A R E S. Dot com. I say that because a lot of times I forget and I type M E R S like, you know, takes me to the wrong thing. So, so, uh, Clint, since we're venturing out this year, you know, nine hour trek to Pennsylvania, you got any really cool convention stories, anything wild and crazy going on up that way? I mean, actually probably my coolest convention story is, is where you guys are in Midwest. And, um, uh, that's where uh, Nathan Basil who played Leslie Vernon and behind the mask was there. And, um, you know, I mentioned that was kind of a, a, a gamble for me to drive that far. That was the first time I'd gone that far as a vendor. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. But anyway, um, there were certain celebrities that were going to be there. Him, Mark Torgel, who played Melvin, um, in Toxic Avenger, Linnea Quigley was going to be there and I had missed chances to meet her. And anyway, so that's really, I was like, okay, I'm going, you know, th- there's some stars there I want to meet. So Nathan Basil, I go up to have him sign something and he was just the coolest guy. We sat there and chatted forever to the point where I think people behind (laughs) me were like, well, this guy shut the hell up and get out of the way. And so I actually cut the conversation short because I felt like I was being rude to the people behind me. And I don't think that Nathan was trying to be rude, but he was just engaged as Mm -hmm. engaged in the conversation as I was. And, um, so it was almost like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. You know what I mean? And, um, then he winds up wandering over to my booth a couple different times throughout that show just to, you know, shoot the shit and wound up buying a couple t-shirts off me. So uh, as a vendor, that was, that's probably one of my coolest stories so far. Very flattering. And yeah, last year was your first year doing it, right? Full time. First year at Midwest. Well, and last year was my first year really doing conventions. I'm still fairly new as being a vendor at, at the conventions. Ink mirrors is, is still fairly new. Um, since like 96 i've been involved in the haunt industry mm-hmm. and um when the haunted house became unavailable to continue on in 2020 was our last year 
you know, then I'm like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? And I was like, well, I've got all this equipment. And so I just started banging stuff out and said, let's, let's take a shot and see if we can make a run at it. You know, and here we are. So Awesome. Yeah. Your wife and kids got sick of spending time with you and they're like, they're, you're going to find something to do. Oh, no, it, we all do it together, man. It's really great. Yeah. I mean, um, my, my oldest, she does special effects. I've shown you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah and she was, uh, all three of them acted at the haunted house and the old lady. Yes, Brian. I said, old lady, <laughs> the, the old lady, um, you know, she's like, uh, I don't want to say my assistant. I, she keeps me in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Youngest presses buttons for me. The old lady does the candles. Yeah. So it's a family oh. affair. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, my old lady won't watch a scary movie to save her life unless I throw it on in the front room and, you know, she's busy. Uh, she doesn't do homework anymore because she's done with school. But I got a 16-year-old and then I'm training a three-year-old to love scary movies. So. You got to you gotta ease them into it. Even, even the older ones start with like, you know, Young Frankenstein or Return of the Living Dead Part 2 or something kind of silly and then, you know. Next thing you know, they're Jones and for Halloween Kills. Just kidding. No one wants to see Halloween Kills. I started him with a Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <Ass cool. laughs> I was like, if we're going to go, we're going to go Cannibal Holocaust and see if he can get through it. Well, Brian, I think that's why you and I have similar tastes in movies. Like my first one that I can remember seeing was I Spit on Your Grave. Mm. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that movie yeah. was just yeah. horrendous. You know, the stuff yeah. that happens to that woman. And I remember when that was over with my jaw was just frozen open. Like, what the hell did I just watch? I was probably 10 years old, you know, like, what the hell? Yeah. I think we had talked about that at one point on the podcast or I started with like Faces of Death and yeah. uh, Truth or Dare. It's a Tim Ritter movie that's shot on video. And I'm like, who let me watch these movies? Like, what 10 year old is watching this stuff back then? But yeah, that's kind of where my love for some of the stuff that we enjoy, Clint, comes from. You know, Jason's more of the elevated and <laughs> not horror. elevated, like more mainstream, not more mainstream. Yeah, but. guilty. Yep, yep. Well, and I told you guys that's what I actually really love about I like it spooky about this podcast is is the, the four of you have your such unique personalities that you bring to it. And yeah, we've got Brian who likes the trash. We've got Jason who likes more the mainstream. We've got Lewis who seems kind of like to. He's the elevated. elevated. Mm -hmm. yep. and Jocelyn, I haven't really been able to put my finger on what she likes yet, but she definitely brings something unique to the show. It's mm -hmm. very, very cool. Yeah, we got a good group, you know. Oh, yeah. And being weird, this is our first episode without them. But, yeah, they're, they're moving to the Quad City area. So that's super exciting. So then they'll be around to do everything. Because, yeah, everything we do, they come down and – every time they're driving two and a half hours each way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We went to like a, the drive-in um, where they had one out north of even us, where we had to drive like 45 minutes. They drove all the way down for the movies, then drove home. So yeah, they, they like this community. I guess they see the same thing that you're seeing Clint, you know, I know you're not playing in a big move, but they see there the quad cities as kind of an so area. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. We're we're gonna grow this quad cities community. It's it's gonna be great. Yeah, I told you I, I told you guys the story before, but the you know the listeners probably haven't heard it. And that's when I when I came to Midwest, you know, and as I got closer to Moline, I'm driving around going, whoa, 
where the hell am I? Because it was just the, my map brought me through this kind of back, kind of closed down part of town, and it was kind of spooky. Like, well, mm-hmm. where am I at? What the hell's going on? Are there even going to be people at this convention? And then after I got set up at the Rust Belt there, and then drove, my hotel was in Iowa, so I got closer to civilization. It was just beautiful, man. The, the bridges and the riverfront and everything, all the, yep. the construction that was going on. Pretty cool stuff. Well, yeah, the Rust Belt was like an old industrial tire plant, auto plant, something. And so we either have like a lot of farmland, old industrial stuff. But yeah, they converted that place into an amazing concert venue, convention, event center. Yeah, it's it's a cool place. I'm glad Jeff, you know, Jeff O'Neill, you know, the guy who started the Midwest Monster Fest, found it for his second year and continuing for his third year. This is it's a good spot. It's kind of cool. Like the whole the vibe of the place is cool too. Oh, it's laid back and mm-hmm. it's it's spread out. Um, it's very comfortable, very inviting. Definitely. Yep. yep. And I love how the stage is right there too. Like all the vendors are right there, so you can literally stand at a table, be buying something, getting autographs, and still see the stage, you know, from mm-hmm. most areas. Well, and when I first saw that, I thought, how is this going to work? Is it going like when they do a Q&A, are people going to be able to hear and engage the Q&A who are over there involved with that? You know what I mean? Like I was wondering if the, the general, whatever was going on, was going to conflict and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it was right there where you could see it and be a part of it, but it was far enough away to where it didn't interfere with other stuff that was yep, going yep. on. And then like by the third day of the show, I don't know if they hadn't done it or I just didn't notice, but they had, cause I was in the secondary room there. Mm-hmm. They had big TVs up in the wall. So whenever they had a Q and A or they had the, the FX, um, contests and stuff the makeup contests they were showing that on the televisions too which was cool so oh shit i didn't even pay attention to that i didn't see that it was a third third final day there i happened to look up and saw something oh shit they're showing that you know so i know i'm excited i mean because you know as of three or four years ago we didn't have a convention here in the quad cities Mm -hmm. we would have to drive somewhere but then here came this midwest monster fest has been amazing for us chicago is probably the closest consistent convention Mm -hmm. area for you guys right yeah yeah and that's where i had gone every year i took brian to his first horror convention um wait did we do midwest monster fest or we go to chicago first no we went to chicago first yeah chicago first i think it was like in the same year though but it was Mm -hmm. and brian fell in love with it and then he i was the big horror friend and then he's he has surpassed me by far. You know, he's he's watched a ton more movies and he gets super into it. So I'm into it too, but yeah, he's he's taken it to another level. The the conventions for me it's it's fantastic because I've gone many times as a fan. But now that I'm there as a vendor consistently, personally for me it's cool because now I'm not paying <laughs> to go pay money to get mm-hmm. autographs and some of the memorabilia or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm basically there getting paid to do something I love. Yeah. So even if I break even, you know what I mean? Then I just had a free fun weekend doing something I was going to do anyway. And then again, like meeting you guys and the six degrees of separation, the networking mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. from it is, is fantastic. So, yeah. Well, and that was kind of funny. I kind of went out of my comfort zone that weekend. Brian is the guy who's, he talks to everybody where me, I would just walk by a table and I would just want to look at something and not really talk too much, you know? But then I was like, you know what? This time I'm going to try. I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to go out there and start talking to people. And I happened to walk up to your booth and we just, uh, you had the Valentine Bluffs, the fan film stuff sitting right there. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
so that was kind of like the icebreaker, you know? So, and that was cool. Well, and talking about network and that's really how I, you know, met Brian because there's a, a group page for that fan film, which, uh, you know, you have to be involved in the film to be on the group page <clears throat> on Facebook there. Um, so I just typed in, Hey, is any, because that, that people involved with that fan film, whether they're just backers or they're involved with making the film or helping promote it or whatever, they're all over, you know, they're not in, <laughs> just Pennsylvania where the, uh, the film was shot. And so I type in, Hey, you know, are any of you guys going to be, you know, at Midwest monster fest and Brian spoke up and said, I'll be there all weekend. And Brent edget spoke up and says, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there all weekend. And so then I got to, you know, face to face, meet these people who we, you know, sort of been interacting with. Um, yeah, it, it was great. You know, lots of love. So you, you showed us, I've looked at, I've looked at your Instagram. I've seen some of the cool collectibles you have. And hell, like you were the vendor at the table and you sh- pulled out some of your cool ass toys and showed me what you're going to have autographed. They were cool. What are a couple of your favorite items you have? That's such a tough question to answer. <laughs> Cause, and I hate to sound like I'm bragging, but I mean, I've got a lot of stuff. Um, probably the coolest thing right now for me is it's not even here yet. I had to order it from across the pond. Um, I discovered that when demons, uh, Dario, Ar- Dario Argento's demons came out and um, I think it was for demons Two when demons two came out, they had these cardboard televisions, like these, you know, props that they would give to video stores to set there to promote the movie. And it's like a cardboard television. It says demons too. And then the screen is this red demon face kind of coming out of the screen. Right. And, you know, I'm an old video store kid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw this picture and I could even, I saw the picture of this thing. I could smell the video store. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I got to buy that. So there was this guy on Instagram that we follow each other and I was chatting with him. And I said, where did you get that? Where can I get that? And uh, we got to talk and he said, you know, there's only like two of these left in existence that he knows of. One of them of the two was his that he sold. He kind of fell in hard times, had to pay the rent, said, I sold this thing for four figures and I can't find any more. So he goes, there's two in existence that I know of. So we've been looking for it, looking for it, can't find it. I stumbled across this company across the pond who does a replica. So it's not the original, obviously, but if there is only two left mm-hmm. in existence, a replica is, you know, A, it's going to be worth something and B, it's, it, it's identical, but they made it out of more quality products and it lights up. Awesome. So that's probably, awesome. that's probably my coolest thing right now, you know, is, um, is that's coming. I've been checking tracking like 17 times a day. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a lot of stuff on um, there's some cool stuff, you know, the, has sentimental value. The kids got me for mm-hmm. Christmas, like a bunch of Scooby-Doo villains. I recently stumbled across Monstars released um, a green slime alien, which I <laughs> love the movie green slime. And I always joke about it with the kids and sing the song and they roll their eyes at me, you know, so. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah. And then I've, you got the grail stuff that you can't find like the, the Halloween evolution that has young Michael and old Michael in it. Um, so I've got some of that stuff too. Yeah. 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 I remember walking into Spencer's way back in the day and they had those there. And I was just, you know, a poor working stiff, you know, I was super young and I was like, Oh, I don't have an extra 20, 25 bucks for that, you know? And that was so hard. I remember I bought it like the evolution of horror. 
Oh, okay. Um, I didn't like that, that one, and then the one with uh, Loomis on the stairs, like oh, Loomis yeah. and Michael, whatever that one's called. I remember seeing those. I think it was a Spencer's. It was some. It was a store like that. But then they had like a statue of Michael Myers, like a a resin statue, and it was like on clearance for like twelve bucks or something, something crazy. So I was able to get that, but then yeah, I kind of kicked myself for not being able to afford it way back then because they're ridiculous well, prices now. They are that. That's how I justified to myself is now it's an investment. Like I've got um, a McFarlane Jason Ten, right? Mm-hmm. Which Jason Ten is probably my least favorite of, of that <laughs> film series, yeah. but still I picked it up and um, now it's considered a Grail. And I, I still have the, the price tag sticker from Meyer on it, which Meyer, I don't know if you have Meyer where you guys are. It's kind of like a, you do? Okay. Um, well, out by Chicago area, there's a okay. bunch of them. Yeah. I, I paid like $8.98 plus tax for this thing. Uh-huh. And now if it's signed by Kane Hodder, you know, it's going for hundreds. Mm-hmm. So I justify doing all this stuff saying, well, it's an investment. It's something I enjoy and it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So when I, when I had um, my action figure by Nathan Basil signed, and then I said, can we get a picture? He goes, oh, you need to authenticate it, don't you? And I said, yeah, you know what I'm doing. And then yeah. I, said, I said, hey, if it makes you feel any better, this is paying for my daughter's uh, weddings. And he goes, what? And I said, well, I figure if and when I've got three daughters, whenever they get married, I'll cash this stuff in and pay for their weddings. And he looks at me and he says, shut up. He says, you're not selling this shit. He said, anything, it's going to wind up in a toad in your attic, but you're never getting rid of this stuff. I said, maybe not, you know, but. No, I know you showed me that you had that with you at the Midwest Monster Fest, uh-huh. and I had no idea that there was even Leslie Vernon figures. If you just scratch under the surface a little bit, there's a lot of really cool collectibles out there. Mm-hmm. And it also it, it ties in, like I was saying, with everything ties in together. You know, I mean, um, that collectible is the whole reason I went and talked with Nathan Basil. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I live my uh, collectible life through Jason because I have a three-year-old and I don't have a huge house. Plus, I have too many movies that take up the space I could put collectibles in. So yeah. I kind of live my collecting life through Jason, and I think he lives his movie-buying life through me, even though I buy awful shit that he would not never buy. <laughs> Well, when we were talking there a couple of weeks ago and I brought up Hollywood chainsaw hookers and Jason's going, I don't know if I Hollywood. And you just reach down, Brian, to your, to your left there and pulled it up. Here's the Blu-ray right here. You know? hilarious. Yep. Yep. I don't buy as many movies. I try to put my money into other stuff. You know, I have mm-hmm. a bunch of movies, but over time. But yeah, Brian started after me and he's blown me away on that, too. He has wow. tons more movies than I have. But it's then I do put me. my money in the collectible stuff. So, right. yeah, yeah. It's hard for me to invest in the physical media anymore just because it's so accessible any other way. Mm-hmm. Like I could be sitting on the couch and go, you know, I want to watch, I want to watch the burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Grab my PlayStation remote and there I found it and I'm done. Yeah. 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 And then I'll probably never want to watch it again for another five years. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what's the point of owning it? I, the technology has gotten so amazing. You, you can literally find almost any movie you want. online somewhere i kind of view it like you guys view the collecting though with the figures as an investment plus you know as well as i know clint a lot of the stuff that maybe we enjoy isn't readily available on streaming like disney plus isn't going to put out a 
the greasy strangler for everybody to watch, you know, or cannibal Holocaust or, you know, it, it appears. And then it's, you know, maybe on shutter for, you know, a, a set time and then it's gone and it's hard to find. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you find a crappy YouTube. Uh, what did I watch on YouTube? Uh, Ricky O. You ever seen that one? No. It's, uh, it's about a guy that goes to prison and it's kind of set in the future and it's real bloody and gory, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And, uh, found it on a YouTube or a daily motion or something like that. So I had to watch it on my phone. Um, but then I, they did a really cool Blu-ray release. So I got that and I looked the other day again, can't find it anywhere online to watch. It's just not a movie that's streaming. No, I, I agree. I run into that too. It was just a couple nights ago. The old lady is a huge Bruce Campbell fan. Like mm. he, he is her hall pass. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, literally. And, um, well, I think literally, God, I hope not. We'll find out someday. Um, <laughs> she had never seen my name is Bruce. You ever heard of my name? Is mm. Bruce? Yeah. Yep. And I said, yeah. well, let's, you know, let's watch this movie. It's, it's kind of sort of like, uh, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead, the, you know, the television mm-hmm. series, you know, but more yeah. comical looked it up couldn't find it couldn't find it couldn't mm-hmm. find it so she hopped on and ordered a used copy off ebay or something like that for yeah like yeah, seven bucks. yeah we showed up when we watched it or like you can never find phantasm 2 phantasm 2 is never streaming you can watch all the mm-hmm. other ones but you can never yeah. find that so yeah yeah the original dawn of the dead you can't find it streaming legally anywhere really and yep and that's one that i don't have and i've been wanting yeah. to watch it again and i'm like I'm going to break down and spend 40 bucks here someday on the 4k version just to get the newest, greatest thing. But well, and a couple of things like Brian, I do agree because first of all, I think VHS tapes are kind of, you know, come back as like a retro mm-hmm. like vinyl yeah. has, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so from a collectible or an investment standpoint, people are starting to pay good money for that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? For those. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like you just said, you can't find Dawn of the Dead. I have that on VHS, like the 20th yeah. anniversary dual cassette thing or whatever, you know. So I didn't even know that because I never think of it. Because I have yeah. it, so mm-hmm. I want to watch yeah, it yeah. on the VHS. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it again because I haven't seen it in, shit, you know, 15, 20 years probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And oh. VHS tapes are coming coming back too as far as collectibles. I know you guys. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Valentine's Bluff, you were talking about that. One of their perks is they have, they took this tape and put, you know, the, like the LED lights in there and threw blood on it and made this really cool collectible piece. You can't watch it. You know, it's not usable, but so yeah. it's turned yeah. into artwork also. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The weather outside is frightful <laughs> and we're watching a summer camp movie. So I got excited watching it all like, oh yeah, summer's coming, you know, the whole camp vibe and. You know, we're stuck inside cold, but yeah, this is a good look forward to what is coming. Well, unless Cropsy is after you, but (laughs) then I won't be looking forward to it. So have you seen this movie, Clint? No, I was just getting ready to say, I thought I had. When you guys asked me to be in the show and then said what what movie we were going to watch, I was like, oh, cool, an older flick. And I had heard of it. The cover art stood out to me. So I was like, yeah, I've seen this, but I'm going to watch it to refresh. And I watched it. I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever seen this mm-hmm. movie. So first time viewing for me that I can remember. You know, Nice, nice. It was a second viewing for me because Brian had bought it, of course, on Blu-ray. And he brought it over one time because he, he liked it. He thought I would enjoy it. And we watched it, I think, last summer. We watched it mm-hmm. for the first yeah. time. 
And I thought it was a great movie. I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I've never seen this before. So was I ordered my own copy. after I called you a normie? Oh, yeah, probably <laughs> after. I was like, oh, I better start watching something he recommends. He was like, we're going to watch The Burning. Jason says, man, can't we watch Scream 3, yeah. please? Yeah. yeah. Or The Conjuring or, you know, something more. Yeah. Something no, but like the, that. the Burning was great. So, you know, the first time you watch it, you get that strong vibe of Friday the 13th. You know, the camp, the the killer and then well, there's I even, even a, there's a scene that's almost a direct copy and i don't know who copied who when they're when they're telling the story the backstory of cropsy and then one of the counselors jumps out dressed up you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's almost mm-hmm. even the same mask so yeah definitely yeah, the same yep. Vibe. yep yep so friday the 13th part one came out like in this what 79 or no when it was, was 80. It? 80? 80? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then this movie, when was this? Like an 81 release? Yeah, 1981. May 8th of 1981. Yeah, yeah, yeah so and, yep. this one and Friday, I think we talked about Friday the 13th Part 2 came out pretty close together. Friday mm-hmm. 2 came out April 30th, 81. So, yeah, it yeah. was almost like you know a week apart from each other there. Yeah, it's so weird. So then I was like, oh, my God, they're still in from Friday the 13th, but now I don't really see it that much. Because on the original Friday the 13th, of course, you know, spoiler alert, the mom was the killer. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, sorry for you. She was? Oh, man. (laughs) So it wasn't wasn't really stealing from them. There was one thing that I really felt, well, there's a lot of stuff that I found interesting about this film. And one of it, I was going to talk about it later, but you brought it up. You had mentioned in your last episode where you guys were discussing Scream. And Jason, you had talked about how like Halloween 2018 came out and then all of a sudden now we have all these requels, you know what I mean? Type thing with the legacy characters. And it made me think of music, you know, when you have different time periods, you have all the bands sound the same until something changes. So what's interesting is when I watched the burning, I caught Friday the 13th part two. I caught a little bit of my bloody Valentine. I caught a Mm -hmm. little bit of evil dead in there just the way some of the characters looked and i thought who's ripping who off here mm-hmm. somebody's ripping somebody off like you said so i went and researched and yeah all these movies came out the same year and there's just no way that they, somebody was ripping the other person yeah, off yeah and i mean being a camp counselor and being set in a camp like it's not that far-fetched so i mean of course more i'm sure there's a ton more movies out there that have the similar you know, backstory to it and all that. Not even just the premise. Yeah, the premise is pretty, uh, it's a pretty standard, yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. guy killing campers at a campground. But it was just how, like I said, like the the campfire scene, they're telling the backstory, the guy jumps out dressed up as a killer, looks like Mm -hmm. the same mask as when they did it in Friday 2. If you watch towards the end of the burning, uh, Ted, is Ted the, the lead? Yeah, yeah, Ted. Yeah, yep. He's running around in this dark blue button-up shirt that's torn, and he's got an axe, and his, you know, he's got the brunette hair, and I was like, that looks just like Ash from the original Evil Dead, you know? Yeah, yeah. And what other movie have you seen a mine cart in? They wind up in a mine towards the end. At the end, Mm -hmm. mine carts. This is my bloody Valentine. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen the burning, the premise of the movie is there's a camp. 
sounds like the head, maybe the maintenance man is not very nice to the kids, maybe abusive. Um, so these kids go to get revenge on them. They're just trying to scare him. Well, unfortunately, Cropsy's an alcoholic and he probably um, bays in uh, <laughs> vodka. So when they put this candle in his room, you know, he wakes up and he's, ah, he's and he kicks the candle over and he bursts in the flames. Um, you know, the kids are like, oh, and uh, falls into the water and then. Yeah, yeah. I love that fire, though. I was like, that's like, it seemed like that guy was on fire for a long time. Like, that's some good, like, stunt work there. Like, that's crazy, you know. And uh, then it cuts, and then the movie kind of starts. It gets in heavy, like, quick. They don't mess around with, like, any opening, any story. They're like, okay, we're going to set this guy on fire and get this movie started. Um and then probably my favorite scene of the movie is the part being a healthcare worker that comes next where the guy's like, you know, it cuts to the hospital, you know, crops he's lived, even though he shouldn't have. And the guy's like, Oh man, you're going to work here. I got to show you this guy. Like you got to come see this. And I just like, no part of it. <laughs> he's like, I don't want any. Nope. Nope. But I, I can like flashback to working at the hospital and like being the person or having somebody be like, you got to come see this person's wound or you got to see this or that, you know, being the one that would go like to see what I guess as healthcare workers consider as cool or interesting, you know, like you'd have to go see what, you know, happened to this person, their injury or whatever. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the doctor wanted no part of it. He's like, you can't see from over there. <laughs> Was that candle, though, that they lit in his room that he knocked over and caught himself on fire? Was that a candle or was that like a severed head? Was that Pam Voorhees? Because it was a severed head and there were worms crawling out of it. I'm like, where the hell do you get this candle? I make horror candles. I want to make something like that. Yeah, know? they like found it in the woods. They stumbled across the cabin, you know. And they're like, oh, this would be cool. Let's scare Cropsy with this. That, it, it was a cool shore. candle. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. They yeah. had worms crawling out of it, and hell, that would have scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But Cropsy was like the most flammable person in history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but usually he was doused in vodka, and then, of course, yeah, he, yeah. he's yep, the maintenance yep. guy, so he's got a bunch of gas. The cans. gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't help matters either. Uh, that was so he good. He went up quick. <laughs> and then the guy in the hospital, the black guy who was trying to get the other guy to come over and, like, yeah. see him. Yeah, yeah. He... Have you, Clint, I know Brian has. Have you ever seen Dewey Cox, like, walk hard? Uh, not the full movie, but enough where I know what you're talking about. So yeah. there's, like, the guy who's like, man, you don't want no part of this. Like, yeah. I, I got the strong vibes from that guy. He was like, come over and look at this, man. Like, just the whole, like, back in the 70s, like, jive turkey type stuff. And it, it was funny. I got a strong vibe with him. And then what happens... He gets out of the hospital and he says, you know what? I'm going to go kill me a hooker. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. first thing he decides to do when he leaves. <laughs> well, do you think oh, he, he had to buy he, some clothes, but yeah. Right. <laughs> do you think he wanted to kill the hooker or she was just like. Just... Yeah, I kind of got it was because she saw him. Yeah. And, and she, you as the audience haven't seen how, how hideously deformed he is yet. Mm-hmm. And her rejection of him probably set him set off. Set him off. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, too. Yep. 
And then I loved like all the, in the hospital, you hear like the over talking, like Mm -hmm. you need to calm down. Don't do anything evil. Be good. You know? So it was kind of setting up like he's not going to be good. Yeah. It was a great way to set that up without going into, you know, a big visual explanation Mm -hmm. or, you know, them sitting there reading over charts. Yeah. Yeah. that that. That was well filmed. So like the, the head camp counselor guy, was he one of the kids that set he him was. on fire? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, what I assume. Yeah. Our hero is actually yeah. an asshole. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The what? Yeah. Spon- our hero was actually an asshole because yeah. yeah, the lead counselor was responsible for that. Yeah. 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 You don't find that out until the end of the movie, like the flashbacks at the end of the movie. Right. And then you're like, oh, well, no wonder he wanted to kill these people. Like mm-hmm. they fucking set his ass on fire. And then left him to die. Didn't even help. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't even. So, because it was five years from when the fire until he got out of the hospital. So, yep. you yeah. imagine spending, being burnt, almost die, and then five years in the hospital. Yeah, you'd want to get out and kill a hooker. I would, you know, like. <laughs> all that pimped up, you know, aggression. Yeah, all that aggression. Yeah, you want to. Well, yep. well, and then it's cool when we get to the camp. It's um, It was cool to see Jason Alexander in it. Mm-hmm. A young George Costanza from Seinfeld. Yeah, his, his first film role. You know, what it? I thought was interesting about him was he was actually a good-looking kid. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah when yeah. I think of him, I think of him as short, balding, portly George Costanza. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, he was he was an attractive young man in the movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I liked how all the kids were kind of, you know, like harassing each other. And then there was mm-hmm. one kid who was the bully. But then all the yeah, other kids yeah. would kind of team up against him, and you know, Glacier was that not Glacier? Yeah, Glazer. yeah, yeah, Glazer. I feel like he was almost bullied more than he did the bullying. You know, you know, he's trying that to be was, the studly guy. Was, that was one of the things that I actually enjoyed about the film was they really did almost. I I think it, I, I enjoyed it, but it was almost detrimental to the film. Was they spent a lot of time character developing you know what i mean like you got to the point where you got to know a lot of these kids pretty well Mm -hmm. and so i think obviously it's to set up so if and when they die you care about it yeah yeah i i was watching that and after a while i'm like i want to be a kid at that camp you know what i mean yeah yeah. they involved you so much in that it was great yeah you're like i'll risk i'll risk the death by cropsy right yeah like just so i can play softball and chase the one around in the woods you know yeah yeah yeah, I kind of felt that way too. Like as much as he was the bully, you know, like a lot of the maybe the females were like, "Oh, he's gross. He's, you know, this, that or, you know, and he's he's just trying to be a kid and fit in, you know, like yeah. Probably like most of us were at the time, you know, we were there were that age. Oh, you're talking about um about the guy that was the bully. Oh, the Glazer. Oh, I thought yeah, you were yeah. About the Alfred. He was kind of like the weird. Yeah, um, yeah. Kid who was spying on the chick in the shower. Mm-hmm. Stuff yeah, like that. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah we got the film debuts of uh, Jason Alexander, Fisher Stevens, who was a uh, short circuit, the wood, and then Holly Woodstock. Hunter. He was the Woodstock yeah. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, a lot there's of a, there's a list. There was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holly Hunter wound up doing the voice of the mom in The Incredibles. Um, Leia Ayers, she was the main blonde counselor. She wound up being the love interest, um, 
opposite Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. Oh. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brian Backer, who played Alfred, he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was at Police Academy 4. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Ned, who played Eddie, he was in Last Man Standing. He was in The Sopranos. Like you said, Fisher Stevens went on. There was a ton of talent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Careers. And the movie, I mean, did not do well. I mean, at the box office, I don't think it. I mean, I don't what it one point five million to make, but only made like seven hundred thousand at the box office. Not like you know successful. I think you know cult yeah. following now, and even a lot of people still haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think you take this movie and you stack it up against any of the Friday Thirteenth, you know, any of your camp stuff, Sleepaway Camp, any of those. You're not going to find a better cast or better special effects in any movie done in the 80s that has anything to do with a camp. Well, and then special effects, Tom Savini did the special IMDb research too there, and he he actually turned down doing the effects on Friday too to do the effects in this movie. And there were some cool effects, but I don't think, especially for Tom Savini, it showcased any of, of his great work you know there were some mm-hmm. cool scenes and some cool kills yeah, but yeah. overall yeah i don't know if the way the way it was edited or cut or, or shot and they couldn't use it maybe it was too dark i don't know but there were for tom savini to be in this especially at uh, i i dare say the prime of his career there you know what i mean um i was expecting a little more when i found out he did the effects mm-hmm. well at the end when you kind of get the final battles you got to see a little bit of what he got to do you know, there was mm-hmm. like the severed arm on the raft. There was the burns on the guy. Oh, the Cropsey makeup was fantastic. And probably mm-hmm. the, the raft where he, uh, it was the very last kill on that raft where he, he swings his uh, Cropsey's weapon of choice are the, the shears. Mm-hmm. Big chrome, badass, gnarly shears. And the very last kill is he slices real quick down and like takes, you know, slices his chick's forehead. Mm-hmm. That would, it, the way it was shot and the sound effects, it was brutal. And those shears. Um, I follow Sean Clark, who's a big guy in the you know horror industry uh, for conventions and all that. He owns those shears. I know really? he's talked the about exact it. Shears? Though the screen you shears. Wow. Like he's mentioned mm-hmm. it a couple of times, and I'm like, dang, that would be cool. Like have stuff like that. Odd choice for a weapon, though. Like. Well, what could this killer's weapon be? I'd give him some garden shears. Eh. It was yeah. kind of weird. He's going to trim yeah. your hedge, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, what the? Well, may, may, maybe he just, he, when he killed the prostitute, he grabbed a pair of scissors. Scissors, yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe he was like, oh, well, this this worked pretty good. Maybe I'm going to find some more scissors. And he finds the damn shears, which, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's connected. Sh- I don't know. The shears left, though, for, for the the front of the film, uh, the movie poster, you know what I mean? The image on the box. Mm-hmm. Of the yeah, the, mm-hmm. And when he jumps out of the water there and he's got him held over, that's, a, that's a great silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So well, yeah, we're that's, gonna have to make a, we're going to have to find a candle to this guy. You said that has the shears. We're going to have to go light a candle in his house while he's sleeping. So we can get these shears. <laughs> get those shears. Yeah. <laughs> we deal with trying to put himself out and being on fire. We'll grab the shears and bail. There we go. <laughs> so this movie is based on a, uh, urban legend from new york of cropsey oh i'm so glad you brought that up yeah. yeah like i was like what have you seen the 2009 documentary on that no i have not no 
Oh, it's okay. interesting to watch. It, it's it's kind of long. There's some points where it really lags. But yeah, it dwells into the missing kids. And there was like this urban legend, mis- mythical uh, cropsy guy that they thought were taking kids in the woods. And then they actually tried to pin it on some guy. I can't remember if he got found guilty and put in jail or not. But the other part of that kind of a spinoff is that all happened in New York where this movie was shot. And all these actors are from New York, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was an old asylum on Staten Island where all this shit was happening. And the Geraldo Rivera, like, went into this asylum and did this expose and found all these inmates not being taken care of. And they were, you know, naked and living in their own shit and vomit. I mean, the conditions were just absolutely horrible and got that asylum shut down. That whole story right there which really happened the asylum part of it if you go watch american horror story asylum the second one that's what happens in there they kind of recreate that where she mm-hmm. discovers and tries to shut down because all the horror conditions so yeah yeah now i kind of looked at the burning but i just thought it was interesting crops mm-hmm. yeah it was the six degrees of separation crops mm-hmm. leads to harvey weinstein to leads to you know Geraldo <laughs> rivera what did it what just happened <laughs> Yeah, I kind of looked it up because when I saw when I heard the name Cropsey, I'm like, oh, is it like the famous Cropsey? And then I kind of did some research and I saw he was like a serial killer, but I just kind of attributed it to being dumb luck that it was just that name or whatever. I thought it was kind of weird, but I didn't know that they were really connected, but very cool. Yeah, and this film was shot in North Tonawanda. Am I saying that right, New York? So, I mean, it's got to be, you know, influenced by that for sure. Hmm. Well, and Friday the 13th was probably getting filmed around the same time in New Jersey, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. So, whole Northeast. So, I talked about uh, Harvey Weinstein. You know, he mm-hmm. wrote this. Yeah, the, the Weinstein brothers. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but I thought it was interesting because there's almost, they almost try to throw in this like subplot or this social issue of, of what would be considered now like toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. where there was a lot of guys really pushing the girls to have sex with them or really yeah. pushing the girls yeah. almost to yeah. the point where like, as a viewer, you know, you were like, back off, man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Then, and then I saw Harvey Weinstein wrote it and I'm like, well, isn't he in prison right now for like, you know, rape right. and, and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It was interesting. You know? Yeah. That was like one of the first scenes in the camp is, you know, the girls are playing softball and, Jason Alexander standing there and his buddy's got his arm around him. He's like staring at that girl's butt. And he uh, was like, I could get that. And he goes and like pulls her hair almost like, what are you doing tonight? And like, uh, you know, like, what do you, what's this asshole doing? Like tells her where to be. Yeah. Like be here at eight 30, you know, like, I was like, what a prick. Like, but he was trying to show off in front of his friend. Yeah. 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 I'm going to get this girl. Uh, like yeah, every yeah. boy in the camp was horny. Oh yeah. yeah. Kinda... <laughs> well, that's why I kind of feel bad for the guy that was the bully. Like he's just, tr- he likes this girl and he's probably one of the nicer ones. He's like, Hey, pretty lady. Like, you know, being nice to her, you like, and everybody else is like, Oh, he's a big dumb jock. He's an idiot. You know, like I was like, he's probably one of the, like other than, you know, he was an asshole, but he was the nicest of the ladies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Even even Nettie there, Nettie got it real bad when he he got the one you know counselor into the lake and she didn't want to be there and they kept going back and forth and he's trying to talk her into it and then they get in the lake and they're both naked and 
And then she's like, no. And he's like, what the fuck did you even come out here for? Get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah, just yeah. flipped out. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I'm, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein wrote this. This is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think uh, so we get, you know, the story, Cropsey, you know, he's at this camp, supposedly. They're, uh, they get to my favorite part of the movie, my favorite line of the movie. They're in the, um, Jason Alexander must be the, like the red of the movie. You know, he can get you whatever you need. And uh, he comes in and he's like, Oh, I got your playboy and I got your hustler. And he has the other guys condoms. And uh, he's like, what do you need hustler for Woodstock? You're too little. <laughs> and then my favorite line of the movie. Oh, hustlers, the world bantamweight jackoff champion. <laughs> Keep flexing, kid. Talk, you're too small. Hey, size never stopped, Woody. That's the world bantamweight jerk-off champ over there, huh? Just stick with me, kid. Keep flexing the muscle, huh? I record, I rewinded it like three times and watched that part because I'm just like, this is fucking hilarious. Made you think back to the days when you were young and had your own hustler collection, huh? Yeah, and when I was... I guess I'm still the world winner, bantamweight jerk off champion. Flexing the muscle, huh? <laughs> Probably should retire. I'm getting kind That's of old. <laughs> Carpo tunnel, all kinds of problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tennis elbow. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and that's when we. The, I think the first cancel, counselor got killed right then, right? That Is girl. When Ned, yeah, uh, he Ned. got her out into the water, and mm -hmm. you yep. know, was trying yeah. to. Ned, Ned, Ned's the actor's name. Eddie, I'm sorry. Yep, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got her out of the water, and, and she was gone. Yep, yep. Then that set up the whole, what the hell is going on? The canoes are gone. What are mm. we going to do? We got to find, uh, you know, I can't remember her name, the, the counselor that disappeared. Mm -hmm. No, they were looking for that girl. Right. The one that, yeah, disappeared or whatever. And so, yeah, they found all the the canoes were gone, and. That was a pretty nice raft they built, though. Yeah. yeah Robinson yeah. Crusoe, I'm watching right. uh, Gilligan's Island, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know, I thought it was kind of funny. Some of the timelines didn't really make much sense, you know. It seemed like, you know, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when we got to the end, it seemed like that kid was running for, like, hours while people were like, oh, look, I'm going to take this raft all the way back up here, go get the boat. And then it keeps cutting back to that kid, and he's no, still running that, around. I thought that too. I like, mean, after, <laughs> after um, I'm jumping ahead too, but when the raft, you know, they, they built the raft, they took off, mm -hmm. and then, you know, they wound up meeting Cropsey. Later on, the raft floats back, and then they decide to take off again, and within like a second, they're back at the camp. Yeah, yep. It took them like two hours to get there initially, so yeah, that part was kind of fast forward, but... <laughs> Yeah, how was that scene though when the raft found the canoe? Mm. I I was expecting the whole time for the dead girl to be in there. Yeah, like they're like, oh, there's the canoe. Come on, guys, let's get it, you know. And then I thought they would freak out, and I think that's where you got the epic silhouette from Cropsey, like where I don't know where the hell he jumped out of. Like you would have seen him in the canoe, you would think. But then, I almost. I almost got that he was kind of like uh, he was like young Jason in the water. In the he was water, in the water, kind of okay. hiding to the side of it. Maybe it was really yeah. shallow there, so he could get uh, his, get a good jump up. But yeah, he just came yeah. out of nowhere. I saw the canoe was kind of tilted that way, like trying yeah. to hide it so you couldn't see in it and all that. And but then he just went to town on the counselors. Mm -hmm. What they didn't have a chance, man. Four, like on. four or five of them right there. 
slaughtered quick. That was the one kid in the neck. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scene set it up too because it showed you Cropsey, and I they had a really good chance to turn him into like a franchise killer, like a Jason or a Fred. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was ferocious. I mean, he had the size and his attacks. They, it was brutal. I mean, it was mm-hmm. fast and it came at you and it was hard, you know, and he took everybody out before they even knew which way to go. So mm-hmm. and there was what, I don't know, six, seven people on that raft. Yeah. Gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cut the one dude's fingers off. That's probably my favorite. That was he, cool. And the fingers go up and there. And yeah. 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 I almost wonder if they didn't go build a franchise off of it because of maybe Friday 13th came out the next week and they didn't perform well, but Friday did. Um, you know, or they just saw that there was all this other stuff coming in front of them that was like, eh. Did you, well, like did you said, they didn't do well at the box office. Yeah. You know? So, and I mean, I'm pretty sure this was a, you know, a young effort from a bunch of young filmmakers mm-hmm. who put some money into this. I, I forgot, I think yeah. you said how much the, the budget was. I don't know. Yeah, 1.5 million. So, I mean, right. in I mean, 1980, so- that's quite a bit of money i mean yeah and you put that much money into something and it doesn't do well at the box office you're mm-hmm. like all right well i'm not going to revisit this i mean hell the yeah. only reason friday the 13th got revisited you know it's always all about money mm-hmm. and that's because it did so well based off the amount of money put in yeah. so friday the 13th part two pulled in over 21 million dollars at the box office the burning was just over seven hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. It did go overseas and make back what it what it cost to make it. You know, it did pretty well in Japan, um, and I think maybe the UK. But who's going to back it as a studio? Right. I mean, who's going to say, "Oh yeah, we'll throw another, you know, couple million mm-hmm. at a sequel," because they did set it up at the end for a sequel. Yeah. You know, like even though you think Cropsey's dead the end is them telling the story around the campfire about Cropsey, and mm-hmm. they say he's still out there and he's so. no he's no longer in human form mm-hmm. and that, that was fun but i can't lie it was <laughs> easy at the oh, end yeah. there, you know? and then all of a sudden the guy looks right at the camera you know and he's like i can't remember what he says something about you're, like, dead. you're dead yeah yeah you're dead. yeah yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> well you know they got you can't make a horror movie nowadays or even then and not leave it open somehow for a sequel right you know like well and then so getting back to it though like when you know after the raft comes floating back up and all the dead kids are on it and like that counselor swims (laughs) out there he's happy about right yeah he's he's twisted (laughs) but no it's like uh she gets out there and they how did they get back to the camp? Did they use that thing or did they, they used a, a raft, another raft, another raft. And, and they sent the one, the, the one like head counselor, mm. the female head counselor, like back to get the boat. Yeah. Right. But when the, when the raft came back and they discovered all the kids in there were dead, it had, remember they waited out there to see what was going on, except for Costanza. Costanza says, I'm staying on shore. Yeah. Going yeah. On. You guys go yeah. ahead. How's yeah. it looking? How's it looking? <laughs> But they had the great water reveal. It reminded me of um, Jaws when mm. they find the boat and Hooper goes under the water. And uh, I can't remember the Ben Train, not Train, but that's Halloween. Anyway, uh, pops out. They had that reveal where the one co- counselor who got killed on that raft pops up and his eyes all flip back. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was that great jump scare moment. He looked great. <laughs> 
well, there's all the special effects Savini was busy on. It didn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't yep. throughout the whole thing, but it came in waves and it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's what I was saying is um, it was sprinkled in there. When it was, it was really heavy when you saw it. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the female counselor goes back to the main camp to try and get like the speedboat or the motorboat, whatever. And, yeah, the motorboat. Like I was cracking up at how the other counselor was like so nonchalant about it. And she's like, there's people dying out here or whatever she says. And he thought it was a trick or something. Yeah, she's like, yeah. look at, do these kids look like they're joking? You know, and they're uh, all crying and bleeding and dirty. <laughs> when Cropsy finally uh, fights with uh, the, uh, the the male head counselor, what was his name? Ted or what was it? Ted was Ted. Ted, was, Ted yeah. 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 So he only like hits him in the head and kind of knocks him out. Doesn't kill him. Do you think yeah. he, do you think he was kind of playing with him? Because he knew he was one of those guys. I don't know. I I I, thought, I saw that and I thought about it and I thought it was weird, and I couldn't figure it out. I don't know if it was just kind of one of those weird lapses in story, you know, where like, well, we got to have him show up later, so he's just gonna go chase that other kid. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. On that other kid right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of standard '80s camp movie killing, you know, like usually Jason or you know, Freddie or Michael, you know, they, they knock the male or one of the females out and they end up coming back and finishing the job. You know, they, they disappear from the storyline somehow, you know, for a period of time. And then they come back into the story and finish it. Mm-hmm. Cartoon logic, you know, you almost yeah, have yeah. to just kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Let's not worry about that. Moving on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but no, no final girl in this movie. No, no final girl. Yeah, it's a final guy. So, I mean. Two of them. Yeah, yeah. I got to touch for a second, though, on one of the things that I had to, it was my biggest problem that I had with this movie. And that is before he fights, before Cropsey fights Ted, uh, Glazer and his girl there went off on their own. Mm -hmm. And they're having sex there in the woods, right? Which was kind of a funny scene because he's supposed to be this big bad guy. Uh-huh. And it, yeah, yeah. You know, it was the double pump done, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and shit's okay. <laughs> so he takes off because he feels bad, and he he wasn't able to warm her up, so he's gonna go grab some wood from the main campsite, start a fire. And of course, Cropsy shows up, kills the girl right while she's laying on her back on the ground. Yeah. And then Glazer comes back and finds her, and then Cropsy kills him. But my problem with it was is. Cropsy is obviously this big, ferocious killer, right? And he, she's this little petite girl throughout the whole film. She was not portrayed as being a, a strong heroine. And he goes to throw those shears down on her, and she just reaches up and grabs him and holds him there uh-huh. for that, like, suspense kill. Is he going to jam it into her, you know? And she holds it there for, like, ever. It took Cropsy for everything he had to shove those shears down in her. Yeah. yeah. And then right then, Glazer comes back, who's, like, this big, bad bully. And Cropsy rams those shears through his neck, holds him up off the ground like he's a feather, jams him into a tree. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just have problems killing this little petite girl. She was giving you a run for your money, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that was my cartoon logic moment of the movie. I had to forgive, be well, able to keep watching it. And in that scene, Cropsy was hiding under the blankets when Glazer came back. Yeah, yeah. Like, wouldn't right. you think if she's so tiny, like, wait, why is there like a big lump there? You know? <laughs> a big bulking dude. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no that was a good scene though yeah he's like oh you know i'm, I'm gonna warm you up and that was funny <laughs> but then again he's supposed to be you know this macho guy but no you know 
Again, mm. the sensitive part comes out. I just know when I watched it, I thought I cannot relate to that guy at all. No, no. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> Yeah, so we get into the final battle, and that's when we were talking about earlier how, like, the nerdy kid was running around for, it seemed like, hours. They take a raft back to the thing. He's running around. They get the motorboat. He's still running around. Ted gets knocked out. He's still running around. <laughs> it looked like they actually told him, hey, we want you to go take a five-mile sprint through the woods because yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen him in other movies. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but that was really good acting because it looked like he had been running for hours. Mm-hmm. He's for hours. Eyes are wide. He's about to pass out. He's covered in sweat. You know? <laughs> yep, yep. Well, and then they get to the mine. And yeah, absolutely right. Like when it ends in the mine, you get the whole vibe of uh, My Bloody Valentine. So when was My Bloody Valentine? When did that come out? So that came out uh, February 11th, 1981. Oh, Jesus. Okay. That's what I'm saying. All, all yeah, these it's... movies that I saw in this movie, all these little things, all came out in 81. Mm-hmm. I wonder... With the exception of Evil Dead. Evil Dead actually debuted in detroit in october of 81 but wasn't widely released until like 83 i think so Mm. i wonder if they all had like the same producer in common or somebody helping out or a friend of the directors or something well i wondered if it was kind of what we were talking about earlier that six degrees of separation just these Mm. conversations like this you know what i mean like you say we're just and then an idea gets tossed out there i see this happen in the haunt industry all the time yeah and it's not necessarily that people are ripping each other off, but they hear of an idea and they're like, oh, that's a good idea. Minecart would be cool in my movie. I bet you if I set it up like this and then it just happens, you know? Mm-hmm. But what I was confused about was when they earlier in the movie, when they were talking about at the campfire story about how the old camp where this had happened, just like Friday the 13th, is over this way and it's it's condemned and you can't go there. Didn't they, say like it bur- didn't they say it burned down? Some and they were like, yeah, it's just ruins now or something like that, you know. So flash flash forward to the end of this movie, and before they get to the mine, they find all these old ruins. And I was like, oh, is that the campground? And then I'm looking at them like, there's no way, because it's only been five years, burnt down or not. Those things look, you know, this kind of like concrete. leftover concrete structures. Yeah, slabs. Look like they've been there since the 1800s or something, you know. And then, so I couldn't figure out if it was the old campground or not. But then when the mine carts came in, I'm like, oh, this can't. What what campground has mine carts? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I thought that's that. what Cropsey's been bit busy doing since he got out of the hospital is rebuilding his camp, <laughs> killing well, hookers and building camps. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's how Jason gets around so quick. The hops, tunnels hops right down in the tunnels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. It's all recycled, man. There it is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but that final epic battle was pretty cool. Um, when he when Cropsey pushes the minecart at Ted, and I thought it was funny. It was rolling for a while, and you don't hear it at all. Which I got to think those minecarts would make noise until oh, it yeah. was right there, about to hit him, and he turns and jumps out at the last second. And but more of that, you know, movie magic and. And then here comes Cropsey with a flamethrower. <laughs> that that was cool. What was that look- that was like, like an old gas pipe, I think, or something that just must have been still active, and he had a lighter. Well, and I it looked like he was going to get her, his revenge. Like he knew who the kid was. Yeah, he was like, "Oh, that, I'm going to burn, burn you. you." 
Yeah, that's when they know. had that flashback where you see if you hadn't figured it out already that Ted was yeah, there in that yeah. original night. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. The whole battle and then what's the kid's name? He doesn't he get a hold of the um, shears and Alfred. Yeah. Alfred, they're fighting and they have an axe, they have the shears to use against him again and Yeah, yeah. Ash Williams from Evil Dead showed up and said, Here. Dad, here's my blue shirt and an axe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Use this. It works well. But no, that was, I'm just being a jerk. It was, um, that was a great scene at the end, the, the fight scene. And yeah. I, I liked it because it didn't last too long either. Yeah, know? yeah. They didn't go overboard with it. It was believable for what was going on for mm-hmm. sure. And, and that's, see of course. Cropsy's face. Yeah. I mean, we I see him. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, that makeup was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, the, the burn makeup there was was very realistic and still monstrous. So. Yeah, yeah. And and it makes me think like he was trying to lure Ted there cuz he didn't kill Alfred, he just kind of pinned him to the wall with the shears. So maybe he knew he yeah, was going to come after him. Yeah. I think he was he, trying to bait him Ted, there. He left Ted to chase Alfred. Yeah. And then had his chance to kill Alfred and said, "No, no, I'm going to mess with Ted." Yeah, you're right. I wonder if it was like a bait and switch. Mhm. Mhm. Well, and then Alfred gets free and uses the shears on Cropsy. Doesn't he? What does he do? Like stabs him in the back or something? Or I think so. Or or he pins him to something. I forget how it all went. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up against the wood pillar and gets the axe to the head. Mm -hmm. You know. And then of course Alfred is like reaches for the flamethrower and like (laughs) holds it to Cropsy's leg and he he goes up again. (laughs) <laughs> he's still flammable was, you're right he's still drinking vodka you know? <laughs> I thought it was weird that Alfred actually did that you kind of think it would you know full circle story would be Ted mm-hmm. you know yeah, I created yeah. this monster I'm going to take this monster out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and then like you said they set it up at the end to tell the kind of story for a sequel which mm-hmm. yeah, never never happened, never happened. Mm-hmm. and you know well, you got to think if it did better at the box office, if, if it would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, thinking back, this movie was, it's an excellent movie. It's, it's, I don't see how it didn't do well, but you know, I was three at that time. So I don't know yeah. what everybody wanted. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of falls back to what Clint talked about is there's so much story in it. And back then it seemed like you want, I mean, there was, some nudity in it, but people wanted people nude getting chopped up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Friday the 13th did and it did well. And this movie had a lot of story and a lot yeah. of character building that, you know, what yeah. would you do with the, the characters? You'd have to have a whole new set of characters. I guess Friday the 13th does that's that every time, time though. Yeah. Yeah. So that was what I thought about this flick was I didn't hate the movie. There was a lot in it that I liked, but I just think it was missing that that magical something mm-hmm. that really made it pop. Because, yeah, I do agree that they I think they, they spent too much of an emphasis on the character building, which I say I enjoyed because I'm like, I wanted to be at that camp just from watching mm-hmm. the interaction mm-hmm. with the kids. Like, I want to go hang out with the cool kids, you know, but I think if they would have balanced that more and focused more on Cropsy, even as a visual, because it wasn't a whodunit. You know what I mean? Mm. You knew who the killer was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had such a physical presence and a visual presence. I wonder if they would have focused more on him 
and just found that balance if it would have carried mm-hmm. on. Because yeah. they even had the stuff that we didn't talk about yet, um, where they show through the killer's eyes, like you would see in Halloween. Mm-hmm. And, and you knew it was Cropsy because what I thought was unique was they did the same thing. You're looking through the eyes of the killer, but it was blurry. Blurred, yeah. So yeah. you knew who it was every time, and it kind of got muffled, and you had the weird music. And I thought, why not? Although I like that effect, you know, it made something unique out of it, something that's been done a bunch of times. Why not show Cropsy? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, until, I don't that, know. I mean, until that end reveal, right? I guess right. they were saving it for that. Yeah, well, you could even do like uh, glimpses. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. partial. You know, like a side of the face or something, or his hands, or or I don't know. But yeah, I think if it would have had more of a balance, it would have been more more mainstream mm-hmm. popular. Well, but then it freed up Savini for the other Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, he came back so, in part four, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't part of three? No. I don't remember where don't he started. So. Yeah. You got me curious now. I'm going to look. I yeah. don't think so. He's on my bucket list for guys to meet. I've never met Savini. And Living Dead Weekend, if that happens, that was his movie. He directed the 1990 Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah, he'd so almost if, have to be there. Yeah. Well, and he's he lives in Pittsburgh. Hmm. So uh, perfect. Let's go. Let's get him yeah, there. I, yeah. I have a feeling he'll be there. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's gotta be. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't been announced on the guest list yet. They've been running through the actors of the movie, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. know he's gonna be there. His school yeah, yeah. is there. Um, yep. Yeah, he lives yep. there. Yeah, he'll be there. And yeah. hey, uh, Clint, have you been to Evans City Cemetery? I haven't. So yeah, we're actually thinking about taking yeah. an extra day when we go there just so we can do the. The touristy stuff also. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. We're going to definitely hit that cemetery also. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to we got to rate it. We got to get Clint's rating oh, of the there movie. Oh, Yeah, we, you know, we do our... Oh, our uh, have I you heard the, our rating systems, Clint? I have heard your rating systems. Yeah, yeah, so you got to... Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's so tough because, again, there's things that I liked about this movie, mm-hmm. but overall, I didn't like the movie. There was a lot of great things in it, but I mean, to package it up, uh, if I had a chance to watch this or Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers again, I'm probably going to watch Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, which is a terrible movie, but it's so great. (laughs) So if I had to rate this, I would probably go with four vodka-soaked wino (laughs) maintenance men, not a, you know, ten naked, not wanting to have sex with their boyfriend counselors, you know? Wow, I I enjoyed the movie. Brian showed it to me for the first time last year. I watched it again, and I really enjoyed it again. Um, I would give it, you know, a good seven flaming skull candles out of ten. It's it, it was it was a good movie to me. I I enjoyed it, but you know, coming from my mainstream background, you know. I I would rather watch even, this than all the trash. It was a skull candle. It was like a rotted head. There were worms crawling out of her freaking eyes, man. Like, where do I get that candle? Yeah, we'll have to do some research. Maybe somebody on Etsy will have one. Have a the burning candle. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But Keep then, it away from but then your that, vodka. How hard would that be to search the burning candle? Yeah, that's what you do with the candle. You burn. Yeah, that's like, it. right. You burn it. A burning movie candle. Even the internet's gonna be like, "You light the wick on fire, dumbass!" You know. <laughs> All right, Bri, what do you think? 
Well, this is kind of one of the ones that when I dove deep into horror, I came across as like a horror introduction or, you know, kind of get you started in the 80s thing. Um, so I have a love for this movie that, you know, I kind of put that all the stuff that's wrong with it aside. And I think uh, maybe eight uh, sheer cut fingers because he missed the thumbs, you know, like crops, his hands are burned. He can't, he can't cut a straight line every time. You know? <laughs> He's got that blurry vision. You can't see yeah, 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 yeah. So our guest so I, gives it the lowest rating. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like a jerk. Now. All right, I'll go. I'll go to five. No more. Go to five. No, you're good. No, no, you're good. We're yeah, not going to yeah. pressure you. No, no. Well, Brian I picked do, the movie. I, Brian made you watch it. I enjoyed it enough to where I would like to see a sequel. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And I'd almost like to see a sequel that kind of addresses some of the issues and makes it a little more. That makes it flow a little better, mm-hmm. but More I don't prophecy. think there's I don't think there's going to be a legacy, a mm. legacy film. There's not going to be a requel for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Why Why don't you create a T-shirt with that skull candle on it, the <laughs> severed head candle? I don't want to get sued by the people who made Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. This flick, all you know, despite it, it's the good things about it and the bad things about it. If I did that, someone would come up and go, oh, "Look at that Pam Voorhees shirt," and you go, "No, that's no. that's the the Cropsy vodka candle." And they're like, "What? what? Who? Who? Oh, that's hilarious." All right, Clint. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. You want to? You want to tell us your socials, where we can find you at? I can, but first I want to apologize that, uh, you know, I cannot fill the shoes of Lewis's laugh. I can't do it. <laughs> Lewis's laugh makes me laugh yeah. out loud. You know, it's, I'll be yeah. at work listening to you guys, in which I never smile at my day job. And people are like, what the hell is he laughing at over there? I'm laughing at Lewis, man. Yep. It's going to make um, editing so much easier, though. Right? Because <laughs> we always have to shrink down their sound. Um, let's see my socials. You can go to, uh, well, I'm on Facebook. So I got facebook.com slash ink mirrors. That's for the ink mirrors part. You can go to facebook.com slash corpse barn. And that's more about me and the different things. Cause I don't just do ink mirrors. You know what I mean? Like I used to do the haunted house and we're back in the Valentine's um, bluff film and you know the convention appearances and you know plugging stuff like this so i kind of have this like i don't know horror persona page and then mm-hmm. the, the screen printing page um you can find both on instagram as well uh the instagram is ink dot mirrors and what is the clint one i think it's just probably course barn ink mirrors or i'm sorry uh instagram course barn and then, like you said earlier, the YouTube.com slash Corpse Barn, where you can watch all the goofy little videos that I make and stuff like that. So, Awesome, awesome. And I have a I have a good feeling, you know, we'll be crossing paths again in the near future. Well, I mean, we could probably talk about it, you know, and maybe yeah. it'll draw some interest, but we have a little microfilm project coming up ourselves, the three of mm-hmm. us here. Yeah, in yeah. September. Yeah, so you guys are Actually, five me, of uh, us. Are they, are they going to Lewis and Jocelyn? Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. yeah. It's going to be Fantastic. great. So, yeah. I like it. Spooky and Corpse Bar and Clint are going to make some, uh, we're going to continue on the Cletus legacy. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. 
I can't wait for that. Yeah. How did Cropsy not get a legacy, but Cletus did? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Cletus is funny. Well, Cletus is better looking too, I guess. Cletus doesn't kill hookers. No. Perhaps <laughs> he does, though. He drowns his sorrows that's, in vodka. And that's where we draw the line. Yeah, you no, kill hookers, no, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say thank you to Clint. It's been an honor having you on as our first guest. You're our first guest ever on the podcast. Well, so, hey, uh, I hope you guys have me back sometime. This yeah, is oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't think Jason's seen uh, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, so Mm-mm. maybe somewhere down the line we can all talk about that. Be a good uh, idea. I love yeah, Linnea, but yeah, I don't know why yeah. I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. I uh, I wanted to write a sequel to that. I mm-hmm. actually started writing a sequel to that, and then I was like, you know what? I better make sure I even ha- can do this before I get too deep into the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. um. You know, it, it didn't work out. It would have for the right amount of money, but it was more than I was willing to play with right now. So, oh, for sure, yeah. But I know that movie Inside and Out. I'd love to see that movie reviewed. I'm definitely going to have to watch it now. Just yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm sad. You said you had a a good part worked up for me in that movie. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about when I see you. you yeah, yeah. You, the funny <laughs> thing is, is you'd be killing hookers. Yeah, you'd become you'd be cropsy. I kind of look like the guy from a human centipede too. <laughs> I haven't watched those, man. Oh God. I can't. I can't. I, I'm afraid. I tried. I yeah. I tried and no, no. Yeah. Yeah. The, the third one's unwatchable almost. It's awful. I've seen all three. <laughs> I haven't even, I don't know. I'm just afraid I won't be able to unsee it. Yeah. Yep. I'll yeah. watch silent night, deadly night all day long, but human centipede. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Clint. We appreciate it. Rock on, brothers. Thanks for having me. They never found his body, but they say his spirit lives in the forest. This forest. A maniac. A thing no longer human. They say he lives on whatever he can catch. Eats them raw. Alive, maybe. And every year he picks on a summer camp and seeks his revenge for the terrible things those kids did to him. Every year he kills. Right now he's out there watching, waiting. So don't look, he'll see you. Don't breathe, he'll hear you. Don't move. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?